Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. If you have your Bibles, why don't you just open up to Luke chapter 13. Just get there tonight. Luke chapter 13. And uh, just kind of hold place there. But let me read this story to you first. A number of years ago, the Associated Press, they released a study that was done by an agricultural school in Iowa. And it reported that the production of 100 bushels of corn from one acre of land, in addition to the many hours of the farmer's labor, required 4 million pounds of water, listen carefully, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, and 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and a bunch of other elements that were too numerous to list. And in addition to these things, which no man can produce, which is like rain and sunshine at the right time, is very, very critical. But listen to this. This is interesting. It was estimated that only 5% of the produce of a farm could be attributed to the efforts of man. And if we're honest, we'd have to admit that the same, the, the, the same is very much the, the same in our life, and it's very true in our life in producing spiritual fruit. Amen? We have little to do with producing godly fruit in our life. Amen? It's all the Lord, amen? It's not something that you can do on your own. It's not just simply a change in behavior or a change in attitude or coming to church more and reading your Bible more. It's not anything that we can do in and of ourselves. It's a whole dependence upon the Lord, amen? And so I want us to read this story in Luke 13, and we'll start in verse six. It says, then he told this parable A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this tree, and I have not found any. Cut it down. He said, why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around and I'll fertilize it, And if it bears fruit the next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Let's pray for the word tonight. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your presence and we thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us every heart in this place, Lord, every heart that's listening tonight, every heart that's watching online in a powerful way, Lord. Lord, I, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would just be upon me tonight, Lord, to release your word, Father, that you've given us for this evening. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And amen. Fruit bearing. We're talking about fruit bearing tonight. Men must bear fruit or else they will perish. This is what the story is teaching us. This is the parable of what Jesus is actually telling us tonight. Jesus wanted to drive home the need and the very specific need of repentance. How many of you know, how many of you have come to Jesus? Amen. How many of you have accepted Christ in your heart? Amen. Did you know? Praise the Lord. When you came to Jesus, part of what you should have asked God for was this, or part of what you should have done was this. You repented of your sins. Amen? You repented of your sins. That is, you came before a holy and righteous God who was offering you a gift, an escape, if you will, a rescue, if you will, to get out of sin and the effects of sin. Because How many of you know what the wages of sin is? It's death. Sin will kill your life. Sin will cut you off. Sin will take you out. The enemy wants you to drown in sin. Amen? He wants you to die in sin. But the moment that you said yes to Jesus, there should have been something in your life where you said, I repent of what I have done. Because the acknowledgement of understanding what Jesus did on the cross has to be personal for your life that you understand that it was for you. 
You understood that when he shed his blood, it covered your sin. Amen. That when his blood was spilled upon that cross and when he was dripping to the earth, it was something that you understand that was not done in vain. It wasn't done so you could become a part of a church. It wasn't done so you could become part of religion. It wasn't done so that, you know, you, know, you just join this big karaoke group and sing songs to Jesus. Uh-huh. Feels like that sometimes. It was done because it was a rescue mission. Because every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, was on our way to hell. Was on our way to an eternity without him. Was on our way to what we deserved. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he stepped in the place that we deserved and he willingly laid down his life for us. He went to the place that we deserved, that your sins deserved, that my sins deserved. The countless things that I've done wrong, and I'm not here to shame anybody tonight, but the countless things that we've done wrong, he went to the cross for that so that we could be free and so that we could know him, amen? But Jesus, in this parable, he wanted to drive home the point of repentance and the need for repentance by sharing the parable of a man that was seeking fruit, amen? And so this man represents God, amen? The vineyard dresser represents Christ, and the vineyard represents the world or Israel. But I want us to note a few facts about this fig tree. This fig tree was very privileged, amen? This fig tree was, was in a good spot. It was in the vineyard. That means that it was tended to. It had water. It had sun. It had somebody that was caring for it. It had somebody that was looking after it. It had somebody that was trimming the branches when they were getting ugly. It had somebody that was you know, getting all the fungus and all the gross stuff off of it when, you know, it couldn't protect itself. Because how many of you know a tree doesn't protect itself? It has somebody to care for it. That plant that's probably rotting in your kitchen, <laughs> I don't know if you got one of those, but I, I, I have some. <laughs> or that plant that may be dying outside, it's dying because it's under your care. How many of you have a crispy lawn? If I went to your house right now, how many of you have a crispy lawn? Raise your hand. Whoa, 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 all right. I don't even know if anybody's telling the truth tonight. You're like, not my lawn, Pastor, the other neighbor's lawn. But how many of you know that saying that says that the grass is not greener on the other side, the grass is green where you water it? Amen? The grass is green where you water it. This fig tree was privileged. It was in the vineyard, which meant several things. It was planted by the vineyard keeper, by God. How many of you know that you are not a mistake? Amen. That, you, that should encourage somebody tonight. You're not a mistake. Amen. You're here by purpose. God had a divine purpose and a plan for your life. God didn't just, you know, think that, you know what, oh, they're just going to be born and they're going to be pointless and purposeless. No, he has a purpose for your life. And the Lord, you know, causes every man to be born into this world. And he stands behind every person as that person's creator. Amen. He stands behind you as creator. Job 33 and verse 4 says this. The spirit of God. This is Job speaking out. He says, the spirit of God has made me. Some of you don't understand that. You don't realize that. We think that somehow, you know, it, it was just our parents. It was just our, you know, grandparents. It was just the people that we know that, that brought us into the world. But how many of you know it all goes back to a creator? It all started with a creator. It all started with one. And the Bible says he's the one that formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one that gave you life. It says the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. The breath of the Almighty gives us life. It was it planted in the vineyard, this tree. It was planted in that vineyard right where there were other trees that were bearing fruit. It had the same soil, the same nourishment, the same rain, and the same sun from heaven. And this is true to all believers who are born in nations where the gospel is preached. What shocks me sometimes about 
you know, people in the church is, is I realize that maybe we came to the Lord at different times. Maybe it's something some of you, you know, who, who gave your heart to Jesus within this last year? Has anybody given your heart to Jesus within this last year? Angeles, yes, come on, somebody praise the Lord for her. Did somebody else raise their hand? Did I miss anybody else? Who? Sa Sandra, let's go. She gave her heart to Jesus this past year. Who gave your heart to Jesus like two years ago? Anybody? Two years ago, Alisma, let's go. Lily in the back. Right back here, Sister Gabby. Who gave your heart to Jesus like five years ago or more? Raise your hand. Any, uh, most of us. There you go. Awesome. So here's the deal. Let me teach you something tonight. If we're looking at each other's fruit and we're giving it a good, you know, checking it out. You've all been taught the same lessons. You've all been preached the same word. It's not like I'm preaching to Tony a different thing than I'm preaching to this side. Miriam's not getting another message than Tony's getting over here or Wendy. We're all getting the exact same thing. But the interesting thing to me is the development in which we grow. The speed at which we grow. Some of us maybe have known the Lord 10 years, 15 years, 20 years you said yes to Jesus, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But here's the deal. You could have given your heart to Jesus 30 years ago and you got one little grape on your tree. The measure is not in your age. The measure is in the fruit in which you bear. This is what Jesus is looking for. It's the fruit in which we bear. It has nothing to do with our longevity has nothing to do with our age because, you know what, I've seen some people, man, that Jesus is using, and guess what? They came to Jesus like two years ago, and they're just like, the Lord's just using them so powerfully, so awesomely in, in great and mighty ways, and you can see the hand of God, the fruit of God in their life, but here's the deal. They all had same access to the Lord. And I'm picking on you tonight, but guess what? You've all heard the same sermon. Nobody heard a different sermon, you know, than, other than what was preached on Sunday. Nobody's hearing anything different than what I'm telling you right now. That means that the sun and the rain and the wind and the, and the elements and all the things that God wants to do in your life, they're all present. They're all available to each and every one of us the exact same way. And here's the deal. The fig tree's purpose was to bear fruit. It had been planted to bear fruit. Nobody plants a tree you know, a fruit-bearing tree, and you plant it to not give you something back. That's pretty foolish. Like, if I was to plant a lemon tree in my yard, I expect to see a lemon one day. Amen? If I was to plant an apple tree in my yard, I expect to see an apple. One day, I'm going to wake up, and there's going to be a big, red, shiny apple, and I'm going to take a bite out of it. Why? Because I didn't buy an apple tree to just be an apple tree with no apples. Now it's just a tree. That's pointless. That's not what the Lord is looking for. The Lord is looking for men and women of God, for those who are planted in his vineyard to bear fruit. To bear fruit. It, the, the fig tree had no other purpose for existing, and so it is with man. Luke 10 and 27, you know this verse, but it says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Another very powerful verse in Matthew 3 and verse 8. I'm reading out of the New King James. It might read a little different, but I'll read, I'll read that version. It says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I could stay on that verse all day. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The New King James says it this way. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Bear something in your life that looks like you have decided to follow Jesus. And not decided to follow the world. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, man, I come to Christ, but guess what? Where's the fruit? Oh, I came to Jesus. You know what? I surrendered my life to God, but there's no fruit. You haven't surrendered yourself to God if there is no godly fruit in your life. Because in order for the fruit to be born, repentance must happen. 
Once you repent, it is the beginning stages of being planted in the vineyard of God and seeing this thing being produced in your life. Something begins to transform and something begins to change because you have now said, I renounce the ways of the world. I'm no longer going to live for the world. I'm no longer going to live for my flesh and my own desires, but I'm going to live for Jesus. In that moment is when the roots of our soul begin to get down deep into the Lord. Amen. But here's the deal. The, the, it's the trees and it's the the, the weak, you know, you know, trees or plants that get toppled over with anything really easily when they have no root. Amen? I was joking about this with my neighbor a couple days ago, but, you know, he's got an oak tree. We both have oak trees in our front yard. My oak tree's been there a little longer. It's, it's like that. You know, it's nice and chunky. And his oak tree's like, you know, a little bit thinner. It's not, not that thin, but it's a little bit thinner. And a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember when we had that bad hurricane, I think it was like two, three years ago, had that bad hurricane. His, uh, his tree, both of our trees were, were tied. You know, we put stakes into the ground and we tied them and we made sure that the wind was going to blow them over. And what was funny was, you know, he calls his tree Slim. You know, he's got a nickname for his tree. He calls it Slim. He said, you know what? I didn't think Slim was going to make it. But Slim had four anchors, had four ropes that was tying Slim down into the ground, right? And those four anchors held that tree, and it was funny because he illustrated it like this. He goes, Slim was like this, man, just, you know. He goes, I looked outside, and Slim made it. His I was like, man, you know what? This tree, this tree, you know, if he could go through that storm, my hat's off to Slim, right? And it was funny because you know, when I was looking at that and I thought about that, what a great illustration, right? What a great illustration. You know, something that looks so weak, that looks so unable, that wasn't able to support itself because it had roots in the ground, because it had something that was anchoring it, amen, it didn't blow over. And the word is your anchor, amen? The Holy Spirit is your anchor, amen? Prayer is your anchor, amen? Worship is your anchor. There's things that God has given us that we have as anchors to build roots and get deep in Jesus, amen? But the Lord is looking for fruit for repentance. He's looking for something that, that has to be a change of heart and a change of our life. A change of life is proof of a change of heart, amen? The way that you walk and live and talk in this world is proof that you've truly repented. And so that is this, is proof was required in genuine repentance to discourage mere profession, that is just mere talk and outward showing. This is why the Lord is looking for fruit. You remember that scripture where it says, they worship me with their lips, but their what? Their heart is far from me. Why? Because he's looking for fruit. You can act the part in church on Sunday all you want. You can act the part in church on Wednesdays all you want. You can stand. You can sing when they tell you, you. You can bring your Bible. You can do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if your fruit stinks, if your fruit is rotten, then what are we doing? The Lord is looking for transformation. Amen? See, there's no fruit. Think, think about it this way. It, it, it is to, like, stand before God. You're standing before God that, that, that stands before God with a back straight, with lip service. Imagine thinking that we could somehow fool God. You might fool me. You might fool pastor. You know, you might fool your brother and sister sitting in the pew next to you, but we'll never be able to fool God. We'll never be able to fool him. He's, the, he's that vine dresser. He's going to come and he's going to check the fruit. He's going to inspect the, the, the hearts of each and every man and woman. And so he's looking for us. You see, there's no fruit in just, you know, doing religious activity. There's no fruit there. There's nothing that, you know, that says that your heart is transformed. I'll never forget years ago, there was this man that had reached out to me, and it was interesting. He reaches out to me, and he starts telling me, he's like, Pastor, I was attending this, uh, you know, other church, which I won't mention the name. He was like, I was attending this other church. And he's like, they don't preach and teach like what you guys teach it at Rock of Ages. He says, you guys teach the word. 
He goes, you challenge us. You tell us that, hey, you know what? You've got to repent. You've got to repent, right? Like that you, you talk about heaven and hell. And he says, that's the kind of preaching that I grew up with. But he had told me he had gotten so far away from the Lord and his relationship with God that he had begun to, you know, he had this relationship with this young lady and they were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing, you know, outside of marriage. And they would go party every Saturday night faithfully, religiously, every Saturday night, they'd go and get hammered, they'd go and get wasted, and guess what? They'd show up to church on Sunday morning hungover. And they'd take a Sunday selfie, and they'd walk out. And they felt good about it for a while, but he said that one day he woke up and he just felt sick to his stomach. He realized the whole time what am I doing? And he had this great awakening where he was like, you know, where the Lord just shined his light, you know, and you know how, how many of you know that when the Lord shines light, <laughs> it exposes the deeds of darkness in our life and in, in our hearts. And so it began to expose something in his life and he realized, he was like, you know what, I can't live this way anymore. I have to, I have to you know, rededicate my life to the Lord and I have to live the right way, the way that the Lord is asking me to live. And he rededicated his life to the Lord. You see, coming to church, singing the songs, all those things, there's no fruit in that activity. The only way that fruit is, is, is developed inside of your heart and in your life is right here. John 15 and verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. I'll stop right there. If you remain in me. We don't have the ability to produce godly fruit in our heart, but we have a choice to make. We have a choice to remain in him. Amen? We have a choice to stay where he planted us. Amen? We have a choice to stay. You know what, Lord, you have asked me and you've called me, God. You, you, you've wanted me, Lord, to serve you in this way. We have a choice to sit down and to listen to God. We have a choice to remain in him, amen? That's something that you willfully do every single day. That is when you wake up, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you choose to follow Jesus. That is a choice, amen? That is a choice. It just doesn't automatically happen. How many of you have ever struggled with seasons of reading the word? Let's be honest tonight, right? It's happened. It's happened. You go through seasons where it's like, ah, you don't pick it up like you used to. And you have moments where, you know, you're not as active in the word anymore. Listen, that's a choice. That's a choice. The Bible's still in your shelf. The Bible's still in your phone. The Bible's still in the back seat of your car. It is a choice to wake up and say, no, Lord, I am going to commune with you. I'm going to connect with you today, God. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. So he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. He says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, a mark of a disciple, a mark of a disciple that is a person in Jesus is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you know that you can't fake the fruit? You cannot fake the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You might say, oh, well, I've been working on not getting as angry as I used to. Good luck with that. <laughs> I've been working on being more gentle, more kind, you know, more patient. And again, good luck with that. You can only bear the fruit of the Spirit through the Spirit. Amen? You can't bear the fruit of the Spirit on your own. It's only through the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's only through the Lord in our life. And so bearing fruit will always speak to the connection that you have with Jesus. The people that bear fruit, that, that look like Jesus, that talk like Jesus, that live like Jesus, are connected to Jesus. You can't fake that. You can't change that. John 13 and verse 34 says this, a new command I give you, he says, love one another. How many of you, how many of you know it's kind of hard to love people? Amen? Anybody ever struggle with loving people? It's not easy. It's not easy. But how many of you know that we don't get our ability from inside of ourselves? We get our ability with our connection to Jesus. Amen. You get the ability to love others the way that Jesus loves you because guess what? You sit in his presence and you know what the, the kind of love that he has for your life. And so you receive that love into your life and therefore you're able to love others. He says, 
Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. He says, so by this, all men will know that you are my what? My disciples when you love one another. What is that? That's fruit. It's showing the world something. If I'm connected to the God who is love, who created love, who has unconditional love, then I have the ability now to love others the way that he loves us. Amen? John 15 and verse 16, he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Amen? He said, I chose you and appointed you to go and what? Bear fruit. I've chose you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will remain. He says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Amen. Love each other. Christ directly, I want us to see this. Christ directly joins fruit bearing or producing fruit with prayer and with God's will and with loving others. Those three things right there. With prayer, with God's will, and with loving others. And guess what? None of those can be accomplished on your own. None of those can be accomplished in your own strength and in your own power. The production of spiritual fruit is a primary sign that somebody is connected to the vine. Amen? What you are producing in your life proves that you are connected to the vine. John 15 and 1. Let's back up a few verses. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So guess what? He makes it really clear and really open and really obvious. He's saying, if you are connected to me, you're going to bear the fruit that pleases my father. Your life is going to resemble my life. And guess what? My father's going to be happy with that. My father's going to be glad with that. He's going to see that and he's going to say, yes, that's my son. Yes, that's my daughter. But the Father is the gardener, amen? And so the fruit of the Spirit is only evident when you are in communion with the Son. See, the vineyard owner, that is God himself. He is the one who has the right to come looking for the fruit. God has every right to demand from our life, amen? God has every right to, to ask of your life, it, you know, he has every right to, to place, you know, standards, and he has every right to place commands upon your life. Why? Because he's the one that planted the tree to get fruit. He didn't plant it so that it would just do nothing. Like I said a moment ago, you are not made without purpose. You have divine purpose, church. You have a divine destiny in Christ. You have a, a divine plan upon your life. Somebody might be sitting here tonight and that's the first time that you've ever heard that God has a divine plan for your life. Well, listen, it doesn't matter how you start. It just matters how you finish. It doesn't matter all the things that you went through in the past, all the junk that you've gone through, how you know you shouldn't have made it to where you are. All that matters is that when you surrender your heart to Jesus, he gives you this amazing plan. He enlists you upon this, you know, in this purpose for the world and in, in, in his kingdom to do great and mighty things. Amen. So that vineyard owner, God himself, looks for the fruit. He expects fruit for he is the one who planted the tree. Let's read those verses again. John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Everybody say this with me. It says, apart from me... You can do nothing. But Pastor Duke, I've been in church 20 years. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Pastor Duke, I've read the Bible cover to cover. Apart from him, you can do nothing. I don't care if you have a degree in theology. If you don't sit with the master... If you don't sit with the one who gave his life for your soul, if you don't take time to fellowship and communion with him, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and they are thrown into the fire and, the, and burned. You see, the vineyard owner, he found no fruit because the tree was bare. 
He didn't see what he was looking for. He didn't find what it was that he was expecting to find. And so the investment in the life of that tree was wasted. That is, in other words, it failed in its purpose. And so many, again, have all the privileges, yet so few ever honor God or bear fruit as they should. Like I said, every single person in here is getting the same message. Now, what is done with that in your heart and in your life is your choice. If you choose to be a Christian that grew for one year and the other 19 years of your salvation, you did nothing, that's on you. Because guess what? The Bible says that he has given us everything for life and for godliness. You lack absolutely nothing. Oh, but Pastor Duke, if I had a better job, you don't need a better job. Amen? Oh, but Pastor Duke, you know, if I had a, you know, this and that, you don't need anything but Jesus. It's as simple as that. It really is. It really is. I wish I was, you know, the the greatest preacher in the world, but I'm not. But I know one thing, and that's this. All you need is Jesus. That message right there, you know, that could be the end of it. All you need is Jesus. Pastor Duke, how do you produce fruit? Jesus. Pastor Duke, how do you get the will of God done? Jesus. Pastor Duke, how do you connect with the Father? Jesus. Pastor Duke, how are you going to get to heaven? Jesus. I can go on and on and on. Every worship song is about him. Amen. Every letter in the pages of this Bible is about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. So all we need is Jesus. But apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. Matthew 13 and 22 says this. The one who received the seed. Like I said, Everybody's getting the same message tonight. The one who received the seed that fell amongst the thorns is the man who hears the word. But listen to this, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it. They make it unfruitful. You know, there's a lot of people that disbelieve God and they, and they, they don't believe in, in God past certain things. That is, they stop short of a miracle. They stop short of seeing God do something powerful in their life, and they abort every seed that the word of God has planted in their heart and in their life because of circumstance. They go through something hard, and, you know, they were praying for a loved one, and the outcome wasn't what they desired, and and their heart gets worried and weary. They ask God for, for something so many times. They ask God for a relationship for a spouse. They ask God for provision. And, and it seems like they're still going check to check. And, and that person that they've been praying for has never come. And the worries of their life, the, the circumstances of their life, it chokes them out. And ultimately, what the, what the whole purpose of that choking is this. Is it says at the very end to make it unfruitful. Circumstance, when the enemy gets a hold of it in your life, has the ability to make you unfruitful. How many of you have ever gone through a painful situation in your life? I know I'm not the only one. I know you've gone through stuff. Guess what? You're looking at a guy up here that's gone through his stuff. I've gone through my stuff. I've gone through hardship. I've been kicked out of my house. Some of you don't know what that's like, but I I knew what it was like. It was really hard. Had all my family close the door to my face. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have had nothing. I know what it's like to have had, you know, cars that fail you all the time. Stranded on the side of the road, you know, wishing that this thing would turn on and you're stopping traffic and it's hot and you're just, you know, I've been through my stuff. I've been through my stuff. Drug addicts in the family, I've been through my stuff. Divorce in my family, I've been through my stuff. A father that didn't want me, I've been through my stuff. And I say all of that, I say all of that to say, church, that at the end of the day, I was speaking this to somebody today. You know that man that was by that pool, a Bethesda that was desiring to be healed? I truly believe had he taken a hold of the the word, he would have been healed a lot sooner because the word had already been spoken for him to take up his mat and walk. But it was until he was obedient. 
minutes until he got up. Some of you right now, your heart has been so choked with circumstance, you haven't bore any fruit for the Lord. And the Lord's desiring to see something be produced from your life. The painful things that you are going through, they're not without purpose. But at some point, you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to allow circumstance. I'm not going to allow the deceitfulness of wealth. I'm not going to allow the worries of this life to make my life unfruitful. Think about this. What situation has spoiled your fruit? What circumstance has destroyed your fruitlessness? What is it? What, what, what could you attribute it back to? You know that Satan is so crafty to cause your hearts to worry about the situations that you face in this life, and that is to buy into his lives. And all he's doing is he wants to choke your growth. Because one day, the father, the vine dresser, he's going to look, and he's going to check. He's going to see what's there. Job lost everything, business, family, children, you name it, he lost it. And Job was, was you know, the, the, you know, God, you know, Satan challenged God in saying that Job would, would curse God. And at the end, after Job lost everything, you know, the Bible says that, you know, Job, Job you know, he, he, he put a sackcloth upon his life and he, he sat in a pile of ashes and he said, but may the name of the Lord be praised. You see, the enemy is worrying, and he's trying to choke out your faith in God, trying to choke out your belief in him and your trust in him. Don't let him. Amen? Much like that farmer who only contributes to the 5% of the growth of his crops, so we can only do so much without Christ. Amen? Our works, our actions, our service to God, our efforts cannot... Produce that which God is in charge of. Think about that. That is we, like many, will allow some situations in our hearts and in our lives to choke out the life and the fruit that the Lord wants to produce. And we suffer from circumstance and we fixate ourselves on frustration and we fail ultimately to produce fruit. But here's the deal. God isn't responsible for your dead branches. You are. He doesn't just cut them off. You allow them to be cut. You allow that thing that has been causing this stench to radiate in your life, that thing that's been just, you know, a nagging sin for your life, that thing that's been causing you to go back to the world and go back to your ways. You have to allow the Lord to cut that branch off of your life. You have to say, God, I, I'm here. I'm in your vineyard, Lord. I repent of my sin. Because the moment that you say that you repent of it, there has to be change of direction and a change of heart and a change of your mind. So that he can say, all right. And he can cut it off. The command he gave us was to what? To remain in him. See, that's on us. It's to remain in him. That means you have the power to uproot yourself from him. And that is you have the power to keep yourself remaining in him. That is this, is you sometimes allow yourself to be disconnected from him through circumstance. And all you need to do is ask the father to cut off that dead branch. Whatever that circumstance is that has been weighing down your heart, just ask him to cut it off. Say, Lord, release this from my heart. This thing that has been plaguing my heart and my mind that the enemy just keeps using to have control over my life, cut it off, Lord. Because the Lord wants you to be free, Amen. The Lord wants you to produce fruit. The Lord wants you to step into that place where you are fully dedicated to him. And all you need to do is ask the Father to cut it off. All you need to do is, is ask the Lord for forgiveness. All you need to do is let go of that offense in order to be regrafted into the vine of the Lord. You see, it's the things that we withhold from God that he'll withhold from us. We want the blessing. We want God to do something. The Lord's saying, release that thing from your life. Somebody hurt you. Somebody did you wrong. Somebody treated you a certain way. Release it from your life. Let that thing go so that there can be true repentance and true forgiveness. 2 Peter 3, 9, we read this verse the other, 
the, the, one of the last times, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, amen? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, amen? That is that one day the Lord will close the doors of opportunity for his people to repent, amen? The guy that breathed his last breath has no opportunity to repent anymore. Once your heart stops and your lungs stop breathing and you step into eternity, there's no chance to repent again. There's no chance to say, God, I'm sorry. There's no chance to say, Lord, you know, forgive me of my sins. It's over. And the Bible says that nobody knows the day or the hour when the Lord is going to return. Nobody knows the day or hour of, of when we are going to step into eternity. And so that's why the scripture says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Today is the moment where we can say, Lord, I have released all of these things to you, Lord, and I receive what you've done for my life. Amen. We haven't earned a second chance of God's grace. Did you know that? <laughs> but he gave it to you. The Bible says each and every day that God's mercies are renewed. We didn't earn that. It wasn't how good you were. It wasn't how many times you came to church that earned you some kind of, you know, bonus points with God. No, it's because of his grace that he gave it to us. Amen. When we accepted Christ, it wasn't us choosing him. It was us coming to an agreement with the fact that he chose us. It was us receiving what it was that he had, he had done for our life. And the whole reason for our purpose and existence is still to bear fruit of him who called us as witnesses of his mercy and his goodness and his grace. Amen? This is what he's looking for. And so we ask ourselves quickly the question tonight, why does a tree need to bear fruit? Why does a tree need to bear fruit? And, and there's a few reasons. Number one is this, to, to feed those around where it's been planted. There's something that the Lord wants to produce in your life that will benefit and point others to him. Amen? If Christ is radiating through my heart and through my life and people can see Jesus on me, then guess what? More souls are going to come to him. And so the Lord is producing something in my life so that guess what? Somebody else's life can be blessed by it. The Lord is producing something in your heart and in, in all of our hearts so that guess what? It can feed somebody else where they have been planted. Jesus, if you remember that story, he was hungry one day and this is what happened in Matthew 21. Verse 18, it says this, early in the morning... As he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And it says, seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except for leaves. Then he said to it, he said, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Now, if you read, you know, in Luke, it actually says that the, the fruit or the tree was not in season. Think about that. In the book of Luke, it says that the tree was not in season. That meant it wasn't like the harvest time for it to actually produce fruit. But how many of you know that God has the, the, the ability to command and require anything that he wants? Amen? That means that, that it doesn't matter the day or the time. He, he's demanding something from your life. Say, oh, but God, I'm not ready. You know, I was going to give my heart to you in five years after I went to college and after I did this, you know, and, and then I'll serve you, Lord. No, he's saying, serve me now. He's saying, I died for you then. Guess what? You have breath in your lungs. You have the ability now to lay your life down for mine. You have the ability to do this today. You have the ability to surrender to your life today. But think about this. Does anyone ever ask themselves why Jesus cursed that fig tree? Why did he curse that tree? And I believe that the main reason why he cursed that tree was because he's the only one that can demand fruit from our life in any season. In any season of your life. That is, you are planted and purposed to bear fruit in a hungry world. Now ask yourself this question, which would you rather have, the leaves or the fruit? Some of us are giving people leaves. Fruit's much better, I promise you. Animals eat leaves, we eat fruit. See, the tree was wasting and misusing space and the purpose of the vineyard and the very reason for its existence was to produce fruit for the owner. 
So think about this, you're either hurting or you're helping the vineyard. You're either hurting or helping the vineyard. You're either hurting or helping the work of the church. You're either hurting or helping the kingdom of God, amen? You see, a leaf can look nice, but once it falls and withers, it dies. It's crunchy. It's no good anymore. But the fruit when eaten, it provides life, nourishment, and goodness, and the choice is ours. One of the most destructive weeds that crop uh, farmers have to deal with is called the Canadian thistle. It's an, it has an extensive root system that makes it really, really difficult to eradicate once it's kind of been established in the soil. And the root structure can reach a depth of 15 feet, and the roots can also spread out the same distance horizontally. So not only do the roots go way, way down, but they go way, way out. And these prolific roots, they crowd out the plants, and so just 20 thistles in one square mile of a field... One square mile, like how many of you have seen like the field next to the church over here? Let's just say that that's one square mile, and it, it probably is. It's, it's probably pretty close to that. It's 99 acres, so maybe somebody could Google that for me but tell me if it's one square mile. But that's about 99 acres, that field next to me, and just think of this. Just 20 thistles in one square mile of that field can reduce a barley field or yield by a third or an alfalfa yield, that is a harvest of alfalfa by one half. Just 20 thistles in like a mile long field. It could cut down the harvest by half. It could cut down the harvest by over a third. And so the Canadian thistle is very damaging to feed crops that is this, is because there's certain crops that are produced just for feed. How many of you knew that? I'm giving you a farming lesson, all right? I want you all to be farmers, okay? Let, let's go. We, we need to start a farming business for the church. Amen. Stop eating this junk that, the, that they feed us. Amen. All right, that was a good time. My clothes don't even fit me anymore. I'm losing so much weight because I'm eating healthy. Here's the deal. When that thing and that weed gets in the field, the livestock, they won't even grow near the crop that's produced for them to eat. So what happens? Now has it not only damaged the field, it's affecting those that were supposed to eat off of it. See the, see the trickle effect, right? It, it, it's, it's having a, an effect that goes and goes and goes. And so in the parable of the sower and the seeds, Jesus described people who are not fruitful because the word of God, you know, is planted in their hearts and it was choked out by thorns. It was choked out. Something was missing. Something, you know, wasn't able to be produced because, because something was choked out by the thorns. And he gave us specific thorns that we must guard against, such as this, the cares of the world. Can I tell you, church? Jesus said in John 16 and verse 33, he said, in this life you will have trouble. He said, but take heart. He said, because I've overcome the world. Amen? What did I tell you earlier? All we need is Jesus. Jesus is our victory, amen? All the stuff that we go through, all the stuff that we're faced with, Jesus has it. Jesus is able, Amen? It says, when we succumb to this particular thorn, though, that is the cares of the world, anxiety, depression, idleness, and fear, all of these things can begin to fill your heart. You see, it's when we allow the cares to take the place of communion, when we allow the circumstance to take the place of a connection with Jesus, those things infiltrate our hearts, and they begin to have this, this effect upon your life where you're anxious, where you're depressed, where you're worried, where you're idle, where you're fearful, and guess what? It clouds your heart and your mind, and the ultimate purpose behind it is so that you stop loving God, so that you stop being sensitive to God, so that you stop connecting with God, so that you stop depending on God, because guess what? You're more worried about yourself than you are trusting in God. And it's this choke effect that just begins to happen and all of a sudden it squeezes the life out of you and next thing you know, you're not living by faith anymore. You're living in fear. 
and you're worried and you're anxious. You're like, Pastor Duke, you know, there's so much crazy stuff going on in the world. Yeah, I get it. But guess what? Take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Nothing that this world could throw at us has not been overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing in this world, church. And so by walking and living in anxiety and fear and anger and letting circumstances dictate our fruit, then guess what? We hinder the work and the fruitfulness of the body of Christ. What did that illustration teach us? When the thistles get in there, what happens? The crop's no good. What happens when the crop's no good? The animals don't feed off of it. See, the church has done a really bad job in the last days. Body of Christ has failed in so many ways. And the Lord is looking for repentance. He's looking for those that will do it the way he's commanded us to do it since the beginning. And produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Why do I say this? I believe that the Lord is looking for a great harvest in these last days that we are living in. What do I mean by that? Do I mean that our churches will be filled? Well, maybe that will be a result. Maybe that will be something that will happen as a result. But when you're connected to Jesus, you talk like Jesus, you speak about Jesus, you have nothing else in your agenda and in your mind and in your heart but Jesus. And when all you do is talk and live and, 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 and do and share all about Jesus, then guess what? People are going to be drawn to the light of Jesus in your world and in your life. And they're going to ask you, they're going to say, what is it that's upon your life? Why is it that you are the way that you are? Because I got Jesus. Amen? Why is it that you have joy in your life? Why is it that you're not fearful or worried and you're not, you know, anxious? How come, it, how come you're not, like, you know, worried like the rest of the world? Because I have Jesus. How is it that you're changed or you're transformed that you don't look the same way that you used to, that you don't act the same way that you used to, you don't go to the same places that you used to? It's because you found Jesus. And you've given your heart to him. He's very merciful. And I want us to pray tonight. So I believe the Lord is speaking to two groups of people. Some that maybe need to deal with dead branches in our hearts. Maybe something that's attached itself to your life. You've been worried, you've been anxious, you've been fearful. And that fruit has been stunted. There's no growth there anymore. The Lord is simply asking that you would just come to him. Just leave it all there and say, Lord, I come back to you. I want to be found by the vine dresser producing the fruit that you've asked me to. I want my life to reflect you. I want my actions and my love. I want my words. I want it all to be about you, Jesus. But I believe the second group that the Lord is speaking to tonight is somebody that has never come to him. That as you're listening to my voice and you're listening to the word of God. And the Lord's challenging your heart. He, the, the Lord is stirring something in your heart and in your life tonight because he's looking for people. He's looking for people that would acknowledge what he's done for them. And by that acknowledgement, they would repent. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.